Well, hey there, my name's Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. So I want to tell you about my friend Matt. Matt lives in Tennessee. I think I've got a picture of him that will come up here in just a second. He's got a Bible degree. He's been married for a couple of years. He and his wife, in fact, just had their first baby, a precious little boy. Uh, Matt is a youth minister. Uh, He also works for a natural gas company. He's really got a servant's heart. He's a really good guy. Uh, He's spent time working with disaster relief. He's even done some mission work. Uh, Matt loves to laugh and have a good time. Just all around, really, really great guy. All right, I got a confession to make. I've actually never met Matt. Uh, Facebook thinks we should be friends, though. And so uh, I stalked his profile and learned all of that information about Matt just in about three or four minutes scrolling through his feed. You know, I know a good bit about Matt, but I don't actually know Matt. And the same is true for you with a lot of people in your life. You know a lot about them. But to say that you know them on a deep level, well, that's not necessarily the case. And it's the same for us as Christians that we know a lot of people, and we know a lot of people in this room, but do we know one another on a deep level? You know, we live in a time that you can learn as much as you want to about anybody that you want just getting online. Whether you Google them or whether you get on their Facebook or Instagram page, you can learn a lot of information about them. You can learn about any topic in general if you just ask Siri or Say, okay, Google, and the next thing you know, you've got all the information that you need right in front of you. When you think about learning about God and His Word, we have never lived in a more blessed time because you can get on the Internet and you can find hundreds of commentaries all for free that some of us paid a lot of money to rack up our library and now it's all available for free or you can get on YouTube. and It's just a a vast library of not only funny cat videos, but a lot of sermons or a lot of people talking about interesting topics. You can get out your phone and you can subscribe to a podcast that will fill your mind with all kinds of valuable and not so valuable information. You can get on Facebook on Sunday just after lunchtime and just scroll through your feed and find all of the churches that are live streaming their services and you can hear sermon after sermon after sermon. We live in a time where learning a lot of information has never been easier. But there's one thing that we all need that sometimes we don't even know it, but we were created for it, and that is connection. Every one of us was created with this desire to want to connect with other people. And you do it at work, you do it with your friends, you do it with your neighbors, or maybe some of the kids that are at school. You connect with a lot of people. But as Christians... As followers of Jesus, as believers, do we recognize this need for connection in our spiritual life? Because the danger that some of us live in is that we know we need to connect with other people. But when it comes to our faith and connecting with other people in our spiritual life and in spiritual ways, some of us live in a danger 
that causes us to have disconnections in our spiritual life. You see, the one thing that social media promised us was connections, but it failed to deliver. And there have been times in the past that one thing that church promised us was connections, but in certain setups it was failed to deliver. It's a need that we all have, that we must all have fulfilled. I want you to know this morning that just showing up for a service is not going to fulfill that need that you have in your life for connection. And to illustrate that, I want you just to imagine for a moment that you're married. I know for some of you that's a really weird thought. You're like, I got to like another 10 years before that's going to happen. I just want you to imagine what would that be like, okay? For some of you that are married, this is like, you know, this is one of the greatest thoughts in your mind. You should put a smile on your face right now. Gentlemen, thinking about married to your wife, get some brownie points, okay? So you're thinking about your marriage or your future marriage, if that's in God's plan for your life. But I want you to imagine that you and your spouse only see one another and only talk to one another on Sundays from 10 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. How good is your relationship going to be? Uh, maybe not so good, right? It's going to be really hard to connect with each other and to know one another deeply if you're only giving that relationship an hour to an hour and 15 minutes on a weekly basis. I want you to understand that you need deep connections with other Christians just like you need oxygen. None of us would argue that you got to have oxygen to survive. But where some of us fail to make the connection is the fact that we need deep relationships with other Christians in our lives in order to have a strong spiritual life. So that's why this month, for the entire month, we're focusing on this one thought. We believe that small groups make a big difference. That's our big idea for the whole month. We believe that small groups make a big difference. We believe that it will make you a better person, just in general. We believe that it will help you to have better relationships, whether it's in a marriage or with some of your friends or with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. We believe it's going to make you a better individual. We believe that small groups are going to help you to be a better boss or a better employee. We believe that small groups are going to help you become a stronger believer and follower of Jesus Christ. We believe that small groups are going to recenter every one of us onto the mission that God has given us to go into all of our world and to make disciples. We believe that small groups is going to make our church family healthier. And that as a body of believers, that we're going to be stronger. And so that's why a little over a year ago, our shepherds had the vision to begin a new ministry that's called Life Groups. And since then, have encouraged everyone to take part in this vital ministry that helps fulfill this great need that we have in our life to make connections on a deep level with other Christians. But I want you to understand that this, this idea of community, it's not a new thing. In fact, you can go all the way back to the very beginning, not to the very beginning of when you were born, to the beginning of time. And there you can see community taking place. Go in your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. Do you remember what verse 1 says? It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. God is communal. God has lived in community all throughout time. Here we have in Genesis 1, we have God creating the world. And in verse 2 it tells us that the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. If we were to flip over to John chapter 1, it would say that in the beginning, just like in Genesis chapter 1, but this time John 
changes it just a little bit. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was there in the beginning with God. Who is the Word? Well, it's Jesus. So in the beginning, we see God, Father, God, Son, God, Holy Spirit, dwelling together in this communal relationship, creating and enjoying life-giving love. That's what we see in the very beginning. And then in chapter 1, verse 26 of Genesis, God said, let us make mankind in our image. Who is us? It's Father, Son, Spirit. This communal relationship of life-giving love. And then the rest is history. You see, community was God's idea from the very beginning. I love what Dr. Gilbert Balzikian pointed out. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. I've been working on it all week. So if it's different from that, well, Google failed me. Community is deeply grounded in the nature of God. It flows from who God is because He is community. He creates community. It is His gift of Himself to humans. Therefore, the making of community may not be regarded as an optional decision for Christians. It is a compelling and irrevocable necessity, a binding mandate, excuse me, a a binding divine mandate for all believers at all times. What is he saying? He's saying community is God's idea because God is community. Since the beginning of time, before time began, God is dwelling together in community. And that because He is community, He has given us this gift that is community. And that it's not something that is optional. It's something that we need and something that we must have fulfilled in our life. And here's the truth. You will go somewhere to find community, to find that connection. Why not go to the one place that God created for us to find connection? And that is the body of Christ. Even Jesus Himself When you read about Him through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, here is Jesus dwelling and living in a small community of 12 apostles. There were a lot more disciples, but there were 12 that He selected that were His closest followers that He leaned upon. And even greater than that, Jesus selected three men, Peter, James, and John, who were able to witness things that none of the other nine were able to because Jesus understood the value and the importance of a small group. But here's the second reason why we need community, not just because God is communal, but because the first century church multiplied through small groups. When you open up to the book of Acts, as you read through the book, you just you see phrases over and over and over again of how the church is not just growing, but it is multiplying. Let's I want us to walk through some of these verses really quick. They'll all be on the screen if you don't want to follow along in your Bible. Acts 1.15 In those days Peter stood up among the believers and a group numbering about 120. There's 120 people on the first day that the church began. At the end of chapter 2, verse 41, those who accepted his message and were baptized, there were about 3,000 added to their number that day. Later on in chapter 2, verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. <coughs> Excuse me. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Many who heard the message believed, and the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. By the way, that word is men. It's gender specific, which means there were more than just 5,000 believers. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Acts 6, verse 1. 
In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, verse 7, so the Word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. This church in Jerusalem is just growing by leaps and bounds. It is multiplying on itself. Every day, new people are becoming followers of Jesus. In fact, it's been estimated that in the first 25 years of the church, that the church grew in Jerusalem from 120 members on day one to over 50,000 people. I don't know about you, but I don't think they built a stadium to have their worship services. Where did they put all of these people? Where did they all go? They were all in small groups. And I love this, this method that as the disciples are going out and they're talking about Jesus and they're spreading the good news of Jesus, what are they doing? They're inviting their friends and their neighbors to come experience the goodness of God. They're sharing with them what Jesus can do for their life. They're sharing with them how He died on the cross, how He was buried, how He rose again. They come to the decision that they want to be a Jesus follower as well. And so they've become a disciple. They're baptized into Christ. And they're going to be learning everything else to be a follower of Jesus. And you know the next thing that they did? They joined a small group of Christians. And they shared their life together. And that's exactly what we want for you. If you don't know the good news of Jesus, if He's not your Lord and Savior, if, he's ne if you've never been baptized into Christ, we want you to know the good news today. That Jesus is King over all. That He gave His life for you. That He came not only to redeem you from your sin, but to give you a life that's worth living. A life greater than this life here on this earth. A life with an eternal future. And He wants you to be baptized into Christ to have your sins washed away. He wants you to be added to a body of believers. And after your baptism, we want to encourage you to join a life group. Because faith is best experienced and lived out in community. So why do you need a life group? I think there's four reasons. We could list a lot. I want to sum them up into four this morning. All dealing with this idea of connection. Here's why. Number one, personal discovery. You see, in small groups, it's easier and better to discover about yourself than in large groups. That's why when you were in grade school, they didn't put all the second graders into one class. You, you don't have 200 second graders. I'd pray for that teacher every day if that ever happened, right? But they'd break you down into smaller groups and they would cap the number of kids in a class because they know that only so much discovery and learning can take place up until a certain point. You can't get that kind of connection from a teacher if you're in a large class. If you've gone to a major university, you've probably sat in a lecture hall with 100, 200, 300 other people and while you learn, there were probably times where you needed to stop and ask a question and you weren't able to. Just like in our worship gatherings. Nobody stops and says, hold on Eric, go back. I need you to go over that one more time. We don't do that. You just kind of go along with the flow. But what if you have a question? What if there's something that you don't understand? Do you just Google it? Do you just ask somebody later? What if you forget? That's the value of life groups is that as we meet together later today, that those questions can be asked. Hey, I didn't understand this passage that was read. Or he used a phrase I've never even heard of. What, what does that even mean? And that's a time where we can ask questions and we can discover about ourselves. We can share things in life group that we just simply can't do 
in a sermon time. Now, I love getting your feedback. I love hearing those amens. I love seeing those heads nod. It tells me that what's being said or what God is doing through this message, that it's connecting with your heart. But it's limited. It's limited in what we can do. In your life group, there's time to give feedback. There's times to discuss. There's times to grow as you discover who you are on a personal level. Here's the second reason why you need a life group. It's because smaller communities are just simply more effective. You see, the the larger a community gets, the less it feels like community. If you went to a massive high school where there's hundreds of people, I graduated with a class of 200 people. We never stood up and said, we should all know one another on a deep level because there's just no way. There's no way we can all in this room know one another on a deep level. Can we know one another's names? Yes, and I hope that we do. And we need to know one another. Can you know something about each person in this room? Absolutely. Your brain has room to handle that kind of information. But can you know every person's deep desires? Can you know what's on their heart? Can you know what they're struggling with? It's impossible to know everybody on a deep level. And so therefore, we must shrink the size so that it feels more like community. The worship gathering is God's vision that He wants us to gather in times like this. But then we must gather together in smaller communities, whether in Bible classes, which can sometimes get too big too, or in life groups where we can shrink that size so that we can all have time to discuss because those smaller communities are just simply more effective. Because we can only know people up to a certain point when we're in a large gathering. That's why you need a life group. Here's the third one. For deeper friendships. We all have some people, a few people, that we would say, those, those are my really close friends. We have a lot of people that we know. Acquaintances, people we work with, people we go to school with. But how many people do you know on a deep level? Not just the people that you live with, but how many Christians, how many people in this room would you say you know on a deep level? And the other question is, how many people would you say know you on a deep level? See, that's the value of life groups, is that we can know one another on a deeper level. And you know what's interesting about really, really close friends? You don't even have to tell them when something's wrong. They already know. They see it in your body language. They hear it in your voice. They see it when you stop posting on social media for a couple of days because in the past you've posted every day. right? They, they hear it when you walk into the room. They just know something's wrong with you. And then they ask you about it. Isn't it awesome that we have a group of believers that we can share our thoughts and our concerns with? Now there are some of you who I already know if you've got something going on in your life, You will never, ever, ever come sit up here and share that. I I already know that. Because the one thing you don't want is to be the center of attention. And that's exactly what would happen. And so you just automatically say, oh, no, not going to do that. Well, what happens when you need to share thoughts with other people and you need the strength from other people and you need someone to pray for you, but you don't have an avenue or, or an opportunity to share that? What do you do? Do you just simmer on it? Do you just... Try and deal with it yourself. How many times in the past has that worked out? That'd be zero. That's why God created us for this need for community. And the value of a life group is that you can grow closer together with a group of people who you love and trust 
who you don't have any qualms about sharing what's on your heart and mind. Where you may not share it with 300 people, you might share it with 15. 15 people that you have loved and laughed with, cried with. You see, it's in that context of a small group that you feel more, that you feel more comfortable being more vulnerable because you know that you can trust them. Here's the last reason why you need a life group. It's for maximum participation. Because it gives everyone an opportunity to be involved. It's so easy in a large group of people whenever there's a need to think, well, somebody will take care of that. But what about when that somebody's you? You see, when you're in a smaller community, it can't just be somebody else's job. All of a sudden now, the number of somebodies has dwindled down to one body. And that's you. But not only that, there are some people who feel way more comfortable talking and speaking up in a smaller group of people than they do in a larger group of people. In fact, I heard it this past week. Someone said, I just feel more comfortable speaking up in my small group. thought that was awesome. You see, it's through our, our small groups that missions can be planned and worked out. Where we, don't, where we just take our small group of Christians and we go and do something kind. We just go and give like we did on Go Day. But even on a smaller level than that, I've heard of other life groups just doing random acts of kindness on a regular basis. Just serving and working together for the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? That's what we're called to do. We want you to be involved in the body of Christ. And you may come here and you may say, well, I don't know what I can do. I don't know how I can get involved. I promise you. The great, one of the greatest ways you'll be involved is getting plugged into a life group. And so after we get done, we've got a table set up in the back and we want to talk with you if you've got questions about life group. If you're like, I don't know what group I would fit into. we got a breakdown of all of our life groups. You can go on our website, regencycc.org slash life groups and you can see a description of all of our life groups. Most of them have pictures. If they don't have a picture yet, it's because we got to get one made so that you can see the faces of the people that are involved in our life group ministry. And guess what? It's faces all in this room. You're going to see faces that you recognize. I know those people. You're going to see faces of people that look similar to you, similar life stage, similar uh, situation in life. We have life groups that are filled with people from all walks of life. Singles, young adults, young marrieds, young families, uh, families with middle-aged children. we got middle-aged adults. We've got empty nesters. we got retirees. we got kids in groups. we got teenagers in groups. We want you to get plugged in because we believe that faith is best experienced and lived out in community. I want to close with a quote from Francis Schaeffer. He said, Our relationships with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. Jesus said, that people will know we are followers of His by the way we love one another. It's our final apologetic. It's the one thing that screams to the world, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. That you have friends and neighbors and co-workers who are watching you, who know that you are a follower of Jesus, and they're watching your life, and they're trying to figure out, do you believe that this stuff is real? Is living the Christian life more than just showing up to somewhere one day a week? Is it something real? Is it something worthwhile? Is it something that actually changes your life? They're watching your life and they're waiting to see 
is it real? What happens is when you read through the book of Acts, you see a group of people that it was real. Following Jesus was meaningful. It was life changing. And that's why the church multiplied because of this community of believers that just shouted to the world with their life and with their mouth and with their community, God is alive, Jesus is reigning, and He is worth everything. So for us as believers, shouldn't we expect and live out the same truth that through our Christian community, we are shouting with our life, with our mouth, and with our love for one another that Jesus is King, He is reigning on high, and being part of the community that He has given us is the greatest decision you will ever make. That following Jesus, it's real, it's meaningful. It's not just sitting in a pew and listening and singing and eating some bread and drinking some juice. That it's real life that it's a community, that it's a family. Not just a big family, but it, it shrinks down to a smaller community of believers that you can share your life with as you love and serve God for the rest of your life. That they're watching to see, is it real? I love my life group. I have been so excited since we have come here. And, and I have shared about it with so many people, constantly inviting people. Hey, you want to come to... Our house, you want to join us for our life group? It's awesome. I promise you'll enjoy it. You know, there are some people that you meet that you may never be able to get them to come here for the first time, but I bet you could get them to come to your living room for the first time. And at that moment, they're experiencing the church at its best. They're experiencing a group of believers sharing life and faith together. And then, maybe they'll take that next step and join you for worship. I'm telling you, it's the way God designed it. Acts 5.42, that was read for us. Every day in the temple and in people's homes, they continued teaching the people and telling the good news that Jesus is the Christ. They shouted it with their mouth. They shouted it with their life. They shouted it with their community and their love for one another. And they multiplied. And church, that is us as well. So this morning, if you're not involved in a life group, we want to encourage you. We want you to give it a shot. We'd love to talk with you. Find a place to get you plugged in. Our life group leaders are going to be walking around today. They're going to be inviting a lot of folks. If you've never given it a shot, I encourage you. Give it one opportunity. It'll change your life. If maybe you've been involved in one in the past, but sort of got out of the habit or maybe it wasn't the right fit. We want to encourage you to give it another shot or maybe try another group. We promise you, it's about making those connections and it will radically change your life. But if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus, we want you to know the good news. Jesus is our Savior. He died for us. He was raised for us. We live in Him. We become a part of His family. We find strength. We find comfort. We find peace. We have people to walk through life with. That this truly is the greatest way to live. And we want you to know that. We want you to experience that with us. We love to see you baptized into Christ today. If we can help you in any way through prayer or baptism, we'd invite you to come to the front as we stand and sing this song.